Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 29. Let's give careful attention to the public reading of God's word as it's found in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 29. How about 25? Now, this is a rather long reading, but keep in mind in uh, the book of Ezra, they stood all day for the public reading of God's word. So we can do a little bit longer than usual. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors 
ate the manna in the wilderness. Yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, which is truth, and who has called us to engage in the study of that word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would sweeten this part of your word to our hearts, that together we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling you have given to us and that we might honor you more along the path of life. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who reigns together with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, we kind of finished our seven-part series on the seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John, but then we decided to take one more look at that last I Am, the I Am the Vine, uh, where it has this focus on remaining in the vine, and we started a sermon last week on how to remain in the vine. And we saw that in that chapter, John chapter 15, John gave us a couple of clear hints at how we remain in the vine, by having His Word remain in us, and by our remaining in His love. And then we reached outside of our text to see one more thing that Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John about how to remain in Him, and that's from that verse that we read this morning, John chapter 6, verse 56, by eating His flesh and drinking his blood. Now, in the early church, there was a fair amount of Roman persecution of Christians for a variety of reasons. And one reason was the perception that Christians were cannibals. That they were eating flesh and drinking blood. So as we consider how to remain in Christ by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That is kind of shocking language, isn't it? 
but as we consider this, let's just do two simple things this morning. In explaining this long text, and in particular verse 56, what does it mean to, to eat the flesh and drink the blood of Christ? Let's just say two things. What did Jesus mean when he says this? The first thing I want to say is that he doesn't mean his words to be taken literally. The second thing, he means his words to be taken truly and spiritually. Now that in and of itself is a bit of a challenge for us in the, in the mathematically driven scientific world in which we live. We're just not used to figurative, metaphor, simile, imagery. We're used to things that you can put under a microscope and algebraic equations that we can resolve. Wouldn't hurt any of us to read a good dose of the myths of C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, to help us begin to think and see the world that God has made through the lens of various images. But be that as it may, let's uh, do two things. Let's see that when Jesus says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not speaking literally, but he is speaking truly and spiritually. First of all, not literally. Now, some uh, in Jesus' day misunderstood Jesus because they took him to be speaking literally. In verses 26 and 27, Jesus answered, very, very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread and had your fill. See, they're thinking about, they're thinking about food for the body, filling their stomachs. They're on that literal level of food for the body. And Jesus said, don't work for food that spoils. See, he's in the the earthly realm, he's in the physical realm, he's in the realm of the body, but that's that's what they're thinking. In verse 31, uh, uh, they say, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. Uh, The manna from the wilderness, it did come down from heaven in that it was a miraculous gift, but it was food that they ate. They gathered it daily. They ate daily. It was their bread and butter. It was their regular nutrition for their bodies. And they're, see, they're referencing all of these physical things, the bread, the physical bread from heaven that our fathers ate, the manna. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. This guy says he's going to give us his flesh to eat? How can can this man give us his flesh to eat? When Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they don't get it because they're thinking literally. They're thinking that we have to literally eat his flesh and drink his blood. We just don't get it. Now, this is not not just a... a, um, a misunderstanding that is relegated to the past. In the Christian church, broadly speaking, there are various views on what's going on here this morning in the Lord's Supper. Uh, 
on, on one end, there's the view kind of that nothing's going on other than your own reflection and remembrance. But, but Christ is not specially present here in any way. On the other end of the spectrum, if any of you have grown up in a Roman Catholic tradition, say, or have friends that are Roman Catholic, uh, the body and the blood of Christ are here physically. The bread becomes the body of Christ. The wine becomes the blood of Christ. And so even in our day, there are people who take Jesus' words literally. After all, didn't he say, this is my body? He didn't say, this is like my body. He didn't say, this is like my blood. He said, this is. But um, there's a difference between a simile and a metaphor. Give me the difference in one word. Like. But there's a more profound difference than just the word like. In general, metaphors are much more powerful than similes are. And Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't say, this bread is like my body and this wine is like my blood. He could have. The Bible uses similes in metaphorical language, but... He didn't say that. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. And throughout history, some people have mistakenly, in my estimation, uh, taken that is that is not to be understood literally, literally. So some in Jesus' day were thinking literally and some in our day are still thinking literally. But clearly Jesus was speaking metaphorically. Uh, as he was doing through all of these I am's, right? Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, not literally. Look at verse 26 and 27 again. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. That pot roast is not going to make it into the world to come. That's not what Jesus is talking about. In verses 31 to 33, they said our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven, for bread, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven, and it gives life to the world. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can you remember the last time you were hungry? Not just mentioning it, what happens? You're getting hungry. You've been thirsty, yes. Were you only hungry and thirsty before you came to Christ and believed in Him? No. Since you've come to Christ and since you've believed in Him, you've been hungry, yes. You've been thirsty. But where? In the body, you see. So when, when Jesus says, I am the bread, whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's not speaking literally. In verses 49 and 50, it becomes even more clear. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. 
But there is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Do Christians not die? Do those who have participated in the Lord's Supper not die? They die. Literally in terms of the body, but that's not what Jesus is speaking of. So just by looking at some of the details in this passage, it becomes clear that when Jesus is saying, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, he's not speaking literally. But he is speaking truly and spiritually. And that's what's a little bit tough for us to get our arms around. Because we're thinking of images as not real. Oh, that's not, that's not real, that's not really, think of a picture of a friend of yours. That's not really my friend, that's just a picture of my friend. But in the ancient world that was so filled with images and And even in our own world, still, although it's been muted by our scientific mathematical approach to life, to say something is an image doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus truly is the vine. You truly are branches. Not literally, but truly and spiritually. Let's look at that word truly. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, very truly, that's a different truly, by the way. Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread. You see that? In the Old Testament, we had a real temple, right? Wood and stone. In the New Testament, we don't have a real temple. We have a spiritual temple. No, the the Bible says just the opposite. That temple back there that was just wood and stone, that wasn't the real thing, folks. The real thing is the body of Christ, the spiritual temple. See, it's the opposite of the way we tend to think. Jesus says, the Father gives you the true bread. Verse 55. Now, it depends on your translation. If you're using like the NASB or the ESV, it probably says, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. See, it's the same word. This is truly the blood of Christ. This is truly the body of Christ. Not literally, but truly. Now, the NIV from which I read says, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. It's real, folks. Not literally, but truly. Uh, In conclusion, no, I'm not there yet, but in conclusion, I am going to take a look at a chapter of the Belgic Confession. But for now, just to whet your appetite... I just want to read one small section that says, Yet we do, not grow wrong, uh, we do not go wrong when we say that what is eaten is Christ's own natural body. And what is drunk is His 
own blood. Truly, you are truly feasting on the body and blood of Christ. Not literally, but truly. Well, how can we help to bridge this gap between not literally, but truly? And that's the other word, spiritually. You see, our two points are, Christ is not speaking literally, but He is speaking truly and spiritually. We don't feed on the body and blood literally, but we do so truly, and what's that mean? Spiritually. Notice in verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verses 53 and 54, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Now notice that. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Do you know how many millions of people there are on the face of the earth today who have life in them? They're alive, but they have never participated in the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus is not speaking literally here. He's not speaking of the life of the body. He's speaking of the life of the soul. It's like when he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his soul? It's that soulishness that Jesus is speaking of, that spiritualness when he speaks of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now we have to reach just beyond our text to see how this comes together very clearly. Verse 63 of John chapter 6. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of Spirit, capital S, and life. Spiritually. You see, in, as I mentioned, In some Christian traditions, Christ is not specially present here at all. He can't be present here. Why not? Because He's at the right hand of the Father. And so He he can't be here. He's at the right hand of the Father. And we say, well, we agree. He is at the right hand of the Father, but we don't agree that He's not here in a special way. On the other hand, there's the other end of the spectrum where it says Christ is here. He's here corporeally. He's here physically. His body, that it literally, the bread. His blood, literally, the wine. And we say, no, he's not here physically. Why is he not here physically? He's at the Father's right hand. So, so where are we as Reformed and Presbyterian types? We're in the middle. We say, yes, Christ's body and blood are really here. No, 
not physically, but by means of the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, when we say spiritual, we mean as mediated through the Holy Spirit of God. Paul says that we have been blessed in the heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. That means every blessing that is mediated to us through the Spirit of God. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Spirit cannot come. So that helps us to understand how Christ is truly here with us in the body and blood, in the bread and in the cup. It's because the Holy Spirit is real. And he's really among us in a special way as we eat and as we drink. How do we remain in Christ? We remain in Christ by having his word remain in us. We remain in Christ by remaining in his love. We remain in Christ. Zach mentioned, the no, it wasn't Zach. It was Clayton, I think. Somebody mentioned. Somebody mentioned that We've been given the Lord's Supper as an ongoing sacrament. See, we need to continue to remain in Christ. And one of the ways we continue to remain in Christ is by continuing to eat His flesh and to drink His blood. You may remember that as I celebrate the Lord's Supper with you, I typically say something like, the body of Christ broken for you. I mean that. It truly is the body of Christ. The blood of Christ shed for your salvation. I mean that. It truly is. Not literally, but truly and spiritually. Now let me conclude. Not by reading the whole, but by reading a good portion of the Belgic Confession, Article 35, the Sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The Belgic Confession is not one of our Presbyterian uh, confessions, uh, narrowly speaking. It's not one that our ministers and elders subscribe to, but it is part of the broader uh, Reformed collection of confessions. We believe and confess that our Savior Jesus Christ has ordained and instituted the sacrament of the Holy Supper to nourish and sustain those who are already born again and engrafted into His family, His church. Now, sorry, but if this is all you take in for the day, there's not much nourishment there for your body. But for your soul, there's all the nourishment that you need. The supper nourishes you, it sustains you, not physically, but spiritually, truly. Now, those who are born again have two lives in them. The one is physical and temporal, the other is spiritual and heavenly. And the Lord's Supper is nourishing, sustaining that spiritual and heavenly life that is yours in Christ. Thus, to support the physical and earthly, God has prescribed for us an appropriate earthly material bread. 
but to maintain the spiritual and heavenly life that belongs to believers. He has sent us a living bread that came down from heaven, namely Jesus Christ who nourishes and maintains the spiritual life of believers when eaten. That is, when appropriated and received spiritually by faith. All of God's grace is received through your faith. If you don't have the faith to believe that you are truly feeding on the body and blood of Christ, then there's no grace. This is not something that works automatically. It works through the agency of your faith. To represent to us this spiritual and heavenly bread, Christ has instituted an earthly and visible bread as the sacrament of His body and wine as the sacrament of His blood. He did this to testify to us that as truly as we take and hold the sacraments in our hands and eat and drink it in our mouths by which our life is sustained, so truly we receive in our souls for our spiritual life the true body and the true blood of Christ our only Savior. We receive these by faith, which is the hand and mouth of our souls. Okay, it was Zach, I think, who said, there's some mystery here. But you walk by faith and not by sight. And by faith you apprehend through the agency of the Holy Spirit that as truly as you hold the bread and you hold the cup in your hand, so truly the grace of God is being communicated to you to nourish you and to sustain you in your continued walk with God. And then that little appetizer that I gave you we'll look at in full. Yet we do not grow, go wrong when we say that what is eaten is Christ's own natural body and what is drunk is his own blood. But the manner in which we eat it is not by the mouth, but by the Spirit through faith. So how do you remain in the vine? By having his word remain in you by remaining in His love and by eating His flesh and drinking His blood. Not literally, but truly and spiritually by the Holy Spirit through faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray that you would use this part of your word to deepen our faith in the true presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit in the bread and in the cup, that we might truly feast on him for our own growth in grace and for your glory now and forevermore. Amen.